You're listening to the Roaring Repeater Podcast on 7220sports.com. Here's Cody. Welcome to the Roaring Repeater Podcast here on 7220sports.com. Joined today, Jared Newland, here in studio in beautiful, breezy, freezing, blustery Cheyenne, Wyoming, where the snow is starting to fall. And uh, apparently we're going to get a little bit of, little bit more of that white stuff coming our way. But, uh, Jared, you have a good holiday? I did, thank you. How about yourself? Oh, can't complain, man. My my wife decked out my whole office now. It actually looks like an office. Like I have this awesome signed picture of Conrad Dobler, and it's uh, one of those Welcome to Laramie, uh, one of their old posters. And it's, it's a wanted poster that has him with a gun and stuff, and he's pointing, and it says, Conrad Dobler wants you to visit Laramie, Wyoming. Oh, cool. And uh, he signed it, and he always signs his stuff saying, stay wild. So uh, um, I've had that thing, and it's made it through two moves now, and I've never had it under glass, and I'm, I've always been really nervous that that thing's going to get screwed up. So uh, it was kind of nice to come home, and my whole office is now decked, and everything's in frames and stuff. So that was uh, really nice of her. And, and she got me a beer fridge, so uh, now I don't have to go upstairs for the beers, which was my only exercise. M so takes joke, care of you. <laughs> yeah, jokes on her. That was my only exercise going up and downstairs. Especially now, because, um, you know, Cowboys now basketball, three straight cancellations. And um, I understand where the fans are coming from, the end of the world, you know, what what's going on. But there were three games canceled last year, too. Um, this just seems a little worse because it's three in a row. And then there's that false narrative out there that Boise State gave Wyoming COVID. So now that's why Wyoming's had to cancel their last two. That's just simply not true. But uh, it's COVID. It's a, it's a worldwide pandemic. Uh, I know people aren't happy about it, but what, what do you do? I mean, and what can you do? Hopefully these are postponements, not cancellations. Sure. But making up three games, and if there's two or three or four more, I don't see how they can make them all up. They'll probably get out of these three. They'll probably get one in for sure. Do you think – Who knows? Do you think this is – why last schedule last season schedule worked and why they might ever go back to that is doing the two game series. I have a feeling they're going to have to do that this season to make it work to get those postponements in. I I sort of love it. Uh, you know, from a selfish standpoint, I really love it because then I think that gives us the opportunity to go to more basketball games on the road because you got two. I mean, it's hard to go to San Diego for an hour and a half basketball game. That's tough. But if there's two in three days. And, you know, obviously that gives one team a distinct advantage, especially San Diego State, speaking of the Aztecs. But I kind of like it. But for the net rankings and those quadrant rankings, you know, wins and all that kind of stuff, how they do that now, I don't know if it's feasible to do that True. uh, down the road. Because if no other leagues are going to adapt to that, I don't see how the Mountain West could say that that's good for their overall net rankings and quadrant wins. Yeah, very true. I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of this. It's just, you know, here we go again, of course. But what can you do? I mean, I'm sure they're, you know, like the Boise State thing, people were really upset. And I understand. You you drove over to Laramie, you know. It, yeah, I mean, people weren't happy with the timing. But I can assure you that Boise State didn't come here on an airplane and then struggle through the snow to get to Laramie, you know, knowing that they weren't going to play a basketball game. And they had more trouble getting to Laramie than people think. Really? Too, because Friday, um, I actually had a meeting this week with the air, airport administrator in Laramie, and they told me about the experiences Boise had uh, landing. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't see the runway. Oh, jeez. <clears throat> so they, they said, promise you... Stay on track, stay on the radar. Center line's there, you just can't see it. Trust us. Because they kept, every time that they would go out and plow, 
it would blow right back over. Oh, see it again. God, so. that stresses me out just hearing that story. But yeah, you know, I mean, Boise State didn't. It's not like they didn't want to play this game. Yeah. They went through hell to uh, to get to Laramie. So it happens. Uh, Boise State was never around Wyoming's players. I, from what I understand, they didn't even come on Saturday at all. The team didn't even make it to the arena at all. But they just woke up with a couple players with right. some symptoms, and then they had to call back or do the testing. Then they had to wait for the results. Right. And then the Idaho Department of Health, since it's a public institution, mm-hmm. they did they wouldn't release them to let them play. And they only had I think they ended up with seven players that were able to. And at that point, it was too late. TV crew. They I mean they had a TV window they had to fit this game into. Sure. Yeah. And um, by you know one thirty five, the TV crew was tearing down. Right. And whether you believe in COVID and the shots and all that stuff, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter what you believe. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what we believe. It's these are kids. This is a liability. So um, that's all there is to it. They want to play. They have TV obligations, like you said. But it's not just the TV slot. It's the TV dough. Yep. You know, <laughs> they got to make that up somehow. Which is interesting. I haven't seen any reports on that either from Tom Berman or Craig Thompson to see what would happen to that if they don't fulfill these X amount of TV obligations. Like last um, last evening. Uh, CSU played their first game in mm-hmm. like twenty some days. Yep, uh, because they they were in a pause and they were sluggish. They but, were, but that game was not on TV. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's TV slots out there, but it's all about the feasibility of getting announcers, getting a crew to to these places to actually put these games on TV. And that's the twentieth ranked Colorado State Rams, not on TV. Yep. <laughs> so and they were one of only three undefeated teams, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we'll talk a little basketball, obviously, uh, the elephant in the room, a little bit of football. I mean, what we can talk about, I suppose. Also, we will be joined later in the show by Ray Malouk, the co-founder of Breakaway Sports Marketing. He is the National Championship Trophy Manager. So you're gonna stay, you want to stick around and hear that. He's got a busy week coming up. Of course, the National Championship in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium, Monday night. That's a 6 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff on ESPN. Uh, Jared, we haven't talked since uh, the end of the Potato Bowl, really, uh, not publicly anyway, on on a platform like this. But uh, what a whirlwind it has been. Uh, Cowboys, of course, football team has lost 10 players. Speaking of false narratives out there, you know, people talk about, well, most of those guys were already graduated. Yeah, well, there was a COVID year last year that didn't count. So, yeah, they kept going with school and they graduated, but seven of these 10 players have multiple years of eligibility remaining. So it's not your, you know, Xavion Valade, great. He gave all his heart, blood, sweat, tears, the whole nine to the University of Wyoming. Now he's going on to find, you know, to, to cap his career somewhere else. That's fine. That's fine. Some of these other guys, though, they have two, three years of eligibility remaining. Levi Williams, mainly. He will be playing at Utah State University for three seasons. He is still technically a redshirt freshman. Will he be playing, though? That's the weird thing about this, him transferring to Utah State. Their starter's back, who was pretty dang good. Yeah. They have a backup that's back. He played really well in the bowl. Yeah, and then there's Levi. So, I mean, there's a, it's a three-horse race there, which is, is – I know Levi has his – girlfriend slash fiance she plays volleyball there that's great and everything but he flat out said that was not the reason that he went there no went there because of their style of play they throw the ball yeah yeah you know and and we saw too with uh with their starter his name is totally slipping my mind by the way logan bonner Bonner. uh, logan bonner he uh (laughs) as you saw against wyoming 
it wasn't that wasn't the only game where he was walking wounded. It was kind of Josh Walwork esque, wasn't it? He was always always limping, always getting up slow, always he dramatic, was always pulling himself off the turf and <laughs> yeah. just in agony every single time the camera went on him. Even on the sidelines, like. Is this guy in concussion protocol? I mean, is he going to make it out the next series? He was in the tent more than he was in the huddle, that's for sure. That offensive line needs some work, I guess. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, and, and honestly, that's where Levi definitely has the upper hand on Logan Bonner. Is he? He's not going to sit back there and just get blasted. He can obviously get out of trouble. Correct. So uh, what I understand about Levi is um, he's going to have every um, – Every opportunity to be the starter at Utah State, you know, good for him. He, he's a he's a classy kid. He's a good you know good kid. I know, I know it pains people. I know it hurts to see him play at Utah State. Um, not ideal, <laughs> absolutely not ideal. But he's a good kid, and uh, obviously you saw what he did at the Potato Bowl it was pretty special. And I think if he has more. You know, you got to keep in mind too. He was taking second team reps all year until what week eight at, at San Jose State. Mm-hmm. He was taking second team reps. I mean, this is a guy I felt like he got better every week, and uh, you know, it was just a matter of time. And obviously, he had a really, really good wide receiver to throw the ball to, who is no longer at Wyoming. And Isaiah Nayer wrote about him yesterday. I don't know if you caught that story, Jared, but if you double his numbers from what he had this year, which was 44 catches for 800 and some yards and 12 touchdowns. If you double all that, that's better than anything Marcus Harris or Ryan Yarborough ever did. Yep. And I don't think it's far-fetched to say that what he did should have been doubled. I mean, those two are the greatest two wide receivers I'd ever seen. That was when I was going to school. I got to see him firsthand on the practice field every week, all, every day, and all that kind of stuff. But Isaiah Nero probably has the best hands I have ever seen at Wyoming. And and how strong his hands are. Mm Because you can see him, when a ball comes, he would come with both hands and hold onto that ball and grab it out of the air. He never let that ball come to his body. Yeah, that's a good point. And a lot of times he was, you know, a foot above the defender jumping up to get a ball, all that kind of stuff. And he's just a special talent that only comes along every once every 10, 15 years. Well, and I wrote about it yesterday. How how does your staff not realize how special that is and start, you know, I know it's going to be a run-first approach. We all know that. It's been beat to death. We've seen it for eight years now. But how do you not make your game plan revolve around that guy here and there? You know, you look back at a few games like uh, a Fresno State, um, uh, New Mexico, when they missed him. Yeah, they would throw that that forty or fifty yard bomb down the field. Yeah, and they would overthrow it, miss him. Yep, and miss him. You look back at those two games; they connect on one of those. Both both those games are totally different. Yeah, the outcome. But how do you not keep going back to the well? I mean, that guy showed us that he can catch anything if it's in his area. I think I've texted you during games before. I said, (laughs) "How do they not throw that same play three straight times?" I know. If they go third, three and out. Who cares? It's better than running three times and yep. going three and out. God. You, and at least one of them, you might be able to get a P.I. on it Yeah, and get that first down. But you think he's going to come down with one out of three balls. You know what? I don't even know if he ever had a P.I. called against him because he was so far behind the defender on every play. Or jumped above the uh, defender. Above, yeah. I mean, that guy was really special. And, uh, I mean, that's a... You, you, I don't know if he would have left. I, I have not talked to Isaiah Nair since he's been gone, but I, I don't know if he would have left no matter what. But you'd like to think that if you're getting if you're getting fed consistently, maybe you don't because why would you? I mean, obviously we know <laughs> we know some reasons why, but um, 
it's just frustrating. That one's really frustrating to me because he was generational. Like Josh Dotson is what people think about who left and went to TCU and was a first-round draft pick by Washington. And here's better. <laughs> He's a lot better. Totally agree. Yeah. He's got the size. I remember interviewing him at Media Day, and of course interviewed him last year, but it was all over Zoom. Um, and then in 2019 also when he was a true freshman. But he's like baby T.O. I remember you saying that when you yeah. when you got to see him at Media Day this year in person. For, he yeah. goes, that guy is different. Yeah, yeah, he is really good. I just And, and even Craig Bull would say how different he was. But they just didn't. You know, I mean, even in the even in the potato bowl, they didn't target him until what two minutes left in the in the first half, and he pulls in a forty four yard touchdown pass. But you even like you said, his numbers: twelve touchdowns, forty four receptions, eight hundred and some yards. Those are still pretty dang good numbers in this offense. Uh, absolutely, because you look back at Gentry's numbers, Mulhart's, Hollister, those kind of numbers. I mean, these are those are good numbers. Yeah, imagine Isaiah Nair with Josh Allen. I mean, Jesus. Uh, well, you know, let's let's talk about a little bit of who else the Cowboys lost. Rudy Stouffer announced he will not be back. Um, Tom Berman was on radio last week. He announced, and and this was no surprise, Keegan Kreider also not coming back. He's going to pursue a career in the NFL. Um, you know, Chad Muma, of course, is leaving early for the NFL as well. Um, those, those guys both had one year of eligibility remaining. Um, you know, the Cowboys secondary took a huge hit. Isaiah or uh, Asias Gandy, of course, is the senior and leaving as well as Braden Smith. So those two are gone. And then you got Rome Weber now in the transfer portal and then the cornerback spots. CJ Colden gone. Azizi Hearn gone. <laughs> Cowboys don't have a lot left in that secondary and in the linebacking core. You know, I think they'll be fine in the linebacking core. But, uh, you know, cornerback, that's going to be very young. Uh, Cam Stone didn't get to play a whole lot because those two locked it down this year. And they were the, what, the fourth best pass defense in the country? Mm-hmm. That's a big loss. And I know you've gotten a lot of questions um, from fans out there if you follow the social media sites and everything saying um, would Coach Bowl allow these guys to come back, stuff like that. Out of the 10 in the transfer portal, I would say nine of them no. Nair, Yes. Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but but I could see one of the secondary guys possibly just, you know, hey, I'm going to dip my feet out here just to see if I can get a, an offer to go somewhere. If not, would you allow me to come back? I could see in a in one or two cases that he would say yes to those guys, but some of the other players absolutely not. No, I mean some of them no not a shot in hell. <laughs> those relationships have been severed. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and another guy in the secondary who's gone is Keon Blankenbaker. He also has a year left, um, or he has two years remaining. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, everybody points to, well, what this isn't only happening to Wyoming, but, you know, all I heard all year and after the season talking to guys is this locker room's never been tighter. Um, why, why is this happening to Wyoming? We know why it's happening in Nevada, and it's been public why it's happening to Hawaii. Uh, their coach is an asshole. His son even in the transfer portal. <laughs> yeah, his own son. That's son. how bad it is there. Yeah, Todd Graham's own son said, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> but, you know, this transfer portal thing, is it's not going away. And, um, you know, you hate to see it. He, Levi's the only guy who's been picked up. And, and you know, Levi didn't make any of his, uh, his other offers public. Isaiah has made his public. And... The, the crazy part to me is Isaiah Nair wasn't even highly recruited, period. I mean, how does that guy get out of Texas in the first place? 
Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and it'd be interesting because he's going to have to make his decision here within the next week, most likely, because not only are these schools also actively recruiting high school kids, there's a lot of other, there's over a thousand guys in the transfer portal right now, so there's plenty of fish in the sea. And school's going to be starting, depending on where he ends up, or any of these guys end up campus-wise. Um, some of them are starting the 20th. Some might yeah. start the 25th. Some might even start the week before. They, they have to be enrolled in that institution and start in their off-season workouts. Yeah, it's coming quick. What was that, uh, you know, I don't know. We've seen so many narratives. You know, UW only has put out that weird social media help-wanted ad uh, looking for a quarterback and – Craig Bull announcing to the world that he's finally going to dip into the transfer portal. You know, awesome. <laughs> Good. You know, the transfer portal's done a number on you. I would hope you would uh, go in yourself. But the narratives out there are absolutely insane. And, and I got to be honest with you guys, and I know Jared feels the same way. It, social media is painful. It's a painful, painful place. And uh, just to read some of the comments uh, is just, they're, they're so idiotic. That it's just it's hard to deal with and and there's guys too out there I won't mention names but uh, uh, guys out there who keep pushing these narratives and it's so frustrating like I sent you a story the other day that was in another publication by a guy from Wheatland or whatever whoever that was that you know no no loyalty and blah 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 you gotta ride for the brand ride for the brand I mean yeah in theory yeah that's great and it's really cool to put on t-shirts and it's cool to put on the collar of your jersey that's really cool but that's just not reality it's not reality. And, and I will tell you, you know, we've talked about this a lot too. You, you don't quit jobs, you quit terrible bosses. And, uh, you know, we heard from Brian Hill. I thought Brian Hill's been the best of all of them on social media where he's like, I love the transfer portal because if I was done wrong or things weren't good, I would have hit it. I would have been gone because guess what? I only get one shot at this college football thing and I'm not going to do it being miserable. And that's the first time that Brian Hill has really said anything, anything. since he's gone to the NFL. He doesn't say much. He he did put his foot in his mouth once and say, look at these uniforms I had to wear when I was in college. He was obviously not a fan of Wyoming's uniforms. But what he did, what he was a fan of, his coach didn't lie to him. He played right away like he said he was going to, and he didn't redshirt. And also, it's the team bond. He loved his teammates. I mean, Brian Hill was here through some rough times where he was the guy, the only guy. I'm talking about uh, comments on social media. Some people are saying, oh, he's just mad because he had to sit during the first uh, half of the point. Table. <laughs> no, he's not. He didn't say one thing about that. No. He broke a team rule. Yeah. He sat the first half. That was the that was the situation there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought he was really good with his comments that, you know, our team was tight. We were close. Why would I leave? I love my teammates. And from all accounts, this locker room is very close. And, and it was easy during the middle of the season to go, there's got to be a locker room problem. Apparently, from what I've been hearing, there was not a locker room problem at all. These guys really love and care about each other. And there was, and there's not a problem with the state of Wyoming, the city of Laramie, or the <laughs> yeah. university. Jeez. They, you know, some people say, well, they just can't handle Laramie for four years. No, that's not the case. They love the fans. They love how how they're celebrities in Laramie, Wyoming. They <laughs> they love being in the spotlight, and um, it has nothing to do with that. It has. Uh, everything to do with some of it's the style of play and yeah. um, being told one thing and then somebody else doing another thing. Yeah, and you know, that's the one thing I, I think you listened to Tom Berman's interview last week. That's the one thing I really didn't like about his interview was that's kind of turned into the scapegoat a little bit. You know, living in Laramie's not for everybody. That's From the guys I've talked to, that is not the case, I can assure you. Yeah. Laramie has nothing to do with it. So... 
I don't know, man. You know, I wish we could talk about more. Of course, we've had a million conversations off the record. Uh, nobody wants to talk on the record. I don't blame them. Um, it's not an easy position to be in. So once they do or if they do, I mean, they might not ever. I know fans want answers, uh, but they might not ever come. I don't want this to sound like a true tease, but stay tuned. There's <laughs> going to be more coming out at some point, and if it's it comes from this entity or other entities, there will be more that comes out about what the heck is really going on over there. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I, You know, I, trying to keep a positive attitude, too, through all this, um, you know, if you're going to look at some, some exciting aspects, I guess. I, I don't know about you, but I get excited to see some of these new kids and, and see some new guys step up, and we're going to see a lot of them. And there's been these last few years, like when a, a freshman uh, re- that was redshirted or just didn't, you know, use any more than the four games of eligibility, gets out on the field and is like, "Who in the heck is this guy? Where did he come from?" I know. And like Dewine McNeely is a prime example. Yeah. I've always heard that the best running back on the team has been Dewine McNeely. He just hasn't really had that opportunity to show himself with people in front of him, and when he when he stepped on the field and got some carries this year, you saw a different style of running back yeah. than these past few years. He's more of a Brian Hill, tall, mm-hmm. runs upright. He does like run up. Plow somebody over type yeah. of a deal. Uh, and um, so there's there's players like that. Cam Stone, even yeah. though he you know he's leaving or no he, he's he's, ba- st- he's, he's back. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but but he's one of those type of guys. Like who is this guy? Yeah, where did he come from? Um, Isaiah White or, or Isaac, Isaac White. Yep. Isaac White. Excuse me. Yep. He's a guy. He's a little undersized right now, but he's going to put that weight on. Mm-hmm. And and um, you thought the same thing about Chad Muma when he was a true freshman. You saw him on special teams. Like, this kid looks special, but he just never got to play at that linebacker spot because of Logan Wilson ahead of him. Right. But when once he got out there, it was like, wow, this kid's different, and he's good. Yeah, very. Yeah, no, um, you know, and Dwayne McNeely, that, you, you brought up that. That's a position where you you might have all the talent in the world, but if you, if you can't pass block, you're not – going to be in the game <laughs> you know that's just how it goes at running back but speaking of running back another guy who i've heard glowing remarks about a couple of running backs actually is uh jordan vaughn from from texas he's a big big back i want to say 6 2 240 or something like huge back um he didn't play this year but uh hearing really good things about him and then of course uh, dq james <laughs> stood next to dq on the field after the potato bowl man that dude is so small <laughs> Ryan Clement looked at him and was like, that's DQ. He's like, that kid is going to get killed. He's fast. He's though. so fast. <laughs> I've heard nothing, but he's just breaking ankles in practice left and right. I could see him getting lost behind the line so easily, like Barry Sanders-esque. And they're still Titus Swim. Yeah, man. That get, that kid is good. Well, I think Titus made his, uh, you know, led his intentions out there on social media this week. He wants to sign an NIL deal. And and most guys have not been very open about that. He's open about it. He wants to sign an NIL, and I think uh, I think that's going to happen. And I think it should happen. He's a, he's a pretty special back. He is. He's very special. That that run at Utah State. I mean, not a lot of guys can do that. It, that are his size. He's a big. He is a bowling ball. I still think they need to go back and make that ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. <clears throat> it's just. You know, I'm writing about the wide receivers yesterday, and I'm like, yeah, this is all great and dandy to write about the wide receivers, but who's throwing them the football? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't even know who's throwing them the ball. So, Yeah, I mean, we could get into the quarterbacks, but we we have no idea, and Cody's there all the time, and he has no idea. No. So um, 
just have to see what happens here. There's a couple, you know, they're going to sign a transfer yeah. the, at, at the quarterback position. There's no doubt about that. They have to. And whether it be a, a, a true transfer from another D1 institution or a JC guy, um, there will be a transfer at the quarterback. And, and once they do sign that guy, you know, maybe one of the one of the four guys remaining hits the transfer portal himself. I mean, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to carry five five quarterbacks. I don't. One wouldn't think, or maybe one of those other guys could play another position. Yeah. Who knows? Because they're you know everybody was said, <clears throat> excuse me, that you know Sean Chambers should turn into a tight end. Well, his legs are more exposed at a tight end position than they are at a quarterback position, and yeah. his legs are beat up. Yeah. Well, there's another guy in the portal we haven't even talked about, Sean Chambers. Uh, yeah, Cowboys have nobody with experience coming back aside from, I believe, 12, 12 attempts from Gavin Beerup, two completions, two interceptions. That's what's coming back at, at uh, the quarterback spot as far as college football experience. So, Way I don't to know. bring in the new year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it hasn't been the most exciting new year, has it? Canceled basketball games, football, football team in disarray. <laughs> it's been rough. But... Uh, We'll get more into that stuff as we go. It's just good to be back. Good to be good to have the uh, podcast going again. We haven't done this in a long time, so. Um, but why not get to our guest here? We'll uh, we'll chat with uh, Ray Maluk of uh, the co-founder of Breakaway Sports Marketing. Also, you know, Jared, you used to do that job too, taking the national championship trophy around. So, looking forward to hearing from you, and uh, looking forward to hearing from Ray. So, let's do it right now. All right, we'd like to welcome in a special guest, Mr. Ray Maluk, the co-founder of Breakaway Sports Marketing based in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. He is also the trophy manager of the National Championship Trophy, so a very busy guy this time of year. Going to Indy tomorrow for the uh, the big game, Alabama-Georgia, Monday night in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium, Alabama-Georgia, 6 p.m. Mountain on ESPN. Ray, I assume it's a little nicer in the Metroplex today than it is in Cheyenne, Wyoming. We got it uh, probably around 60 degrees today oh, here at DFW. So. Dang. Call <laughs> me. Must be nice. <laughs> it's brutal. And you would, think, you would think it was five below with the way people are acting here. So. <laughs> well, it, does, it doesn't take much for Dallas-Fort Worth people to, to think they're freezing. So. Well, you're going to get a little taste of it in Indianapolis, I'm pretty sure. That's one of the colder places I've ever been in my life. Right. Well, I grew up in the Midwest, so I should. It's a. It's a. I spent some time in Chicago and grew up in Kansas City. So there you go. Um, I got to harken back to those days. There you go. All right. Well, Jared, it's you know Jared obviously has known Ray a long time. Jared actually used to do uh, travel around with the the old college football trophy when it was a little bigger and heavier and bulkier and and uh, fragile. <laughs> I guess is the word for it. Uh, but Ray, can you kind of, in a nutshell, just kind of tell us? What you do, I mean, it's not like you just pop up an Indian and bring a trophy in. Uh, this is a whole year-round thing. Yeah, so we've been managing. So like you said, Jared actually was one of the first people to take around uh, what was called the Sears Trophy back in the day, the Crystal yep. Football. Uh, it's now called the Coach's Trophy. Um, and we essentially uh, started managing it in 2001. So in 2001, me and my business partner, Charlie Green, formed Breakaway Sports Marketing. And one of our key pieces of business was managing the National Championship Trophy. And what we do is we take it all around the country. So it goes to a different marquee game every week. And then during the week, we'll do um, various types of appearances. It can be uh, commercial shoots or maybe a private VIP appearance for a sponsor 
or some public events or charity events, what have you. So it's it's grown quite a bit over the 20 years, and we'll do between 100 to 135 trophy events in a calendar year. Wow. Now. Wow. Yeah, we're busy. Even during the off-season, we're, you know, if you're not at a conference media day or uh, different types of events, uh, it's pretty much a 365 uh, tour, which is great, which means that people love seeing the trophy. So that, That's true. So, Ray, I got to know, since you guys go around to these marquee games, this year, by chance, did you guys go to Cincinnati? We went to Cincinnati twice. Wow. Actually. And it, and, that's, and that's great. You know, we try to stay objective. I mean, I went to the University of Kansas, so I certainly don't have a horse in this race, <laughs> any college football race. <laughs> so um, we don't root for anybody, you know, one team or the other. But we do like to go to campuses where we had not been for a while or been at all. And Cincinnati was one of them. So we actually went um, when Cincinnati played UCF. And then a couple weeks later when game day was there, uh, we went. And it was great because when you, when you go to a market you haven't been to in a while, you have hundreds and hundreds of fans show up for your uh, trophy events. And it's fantastic. And, and the fans couldn't have been nicer. Cincinnati fans are actually one of the – nicest fan bases i've ever dealt with so um we loved being there it was great so do you go to any other have you gone to any other group of five uh campuses do you do that uh, because i mean let's be real the the chances of a, a group of five team claiming that trophy are slim and none and and you know obviously we're in wyoming with and cover the wyoming cowboys so we haven't seen you around here ray <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh, i have no problem going there you know actually we do we do try to go to at least one um uh, non-Power 5 campus a year. And, and, you, and you'd be surprised, it's, it's still really well-received. Uh, you know, I've, I remember being in the freezing rain in an Akron game a couple years ago. And uh, two years ago, we actually went to an FCS school. We went to the University of South Dakota. Uh, there were some VIP events taking place there, so we went on campus. And it was a huge hit with the student body at, at South Dakota. So, wow. um yeah, we do. Of course, you go to the Ohio States and the Clemsons and Oklahomas, but we do like to try to go to non-Power 5 schools or even an FCS school every once in a while. And um, uh, again, you'd be surprised. It's a, it's a big hit. So is it like the Stanley Cup? Do you wear white gloves and, and the whole shebang and, and uh, rub it down and, and make sure nobody goes anywhere near it or breathes on it or touches it? We do everything but the white gloves. We try not <laughs> to touch it. You know, the new trophy is gold and it gets fingerprints and everything like that. Um, we, we try to use covers with, you know, like the trophy covers that comes in to set it up, but, um, we don't have the white gloves. We'll leave that to the, to the, um, Stanley Cup. <laughs> that's funny. Cause that's one of the, that was one of the most asked questions when I did it back in the day. So do you compare this to the Stanley Cup and does it have its own, um, seat on the airplane with you? All that kind of stuff. <laughs> and the, right. And the crystal ball is different, right, Jared? I mean, one thing we got that, when you get that question with the crystal football, you don't want to hold a, crisp, a water for crystal football with white gloves because that's super slippery, right? Yep, true. Uh, and also, you know, the Stanley Cup, you know, we've done events with the Stanley Cup before. And anybody who has seen that thing up close, it's got – it's what you think it's been through. You, you look at it and go, oh, yeah, I, I get it. It's been at the bottom of a swimming pool or something like that. <laughs> it's got nicks and cuts and dents. And I'm like, that's the last thing, you know, you know the CFP trophy needs is – our job is to make sure it doesn't have that. It, that, that builds character on the Stanley Cup. God forbid that you know our, our, on our watch a trophy gets a dent or a scratch or anything like that. So, now, what happens after the team gets it is a whole other. You know, whatever they want to do, they can do. But until we give it to the team, we want to make sure that thing is uh, pristine. 
since you've been doing this, Ray, uh, what kind of uh, crashes and burns have you seen with the trophy once it's uh, been in the hands of the winning team? Well, during the, you know, I mean, during the crystal football days, there's been a couple of universities that have broken it. Uh, you know, Alabama broke, broke one of theirs um, during, I think they had like a team get together a reception after the championship and it, it broke. Um, who else? Uh, Florida, I think broke one of theirs as well. So uh, there's been a couple, but it's insured. So when, when a team gets it, they, it's insured. So it's replaceable. So it's not, it's not, you know, necessarily the end of the world. But um, as far as when we've managed a trophy, we've had several close calls, but it's never, no trophy has been damaged or, or broken on our watch. <laughs> Good. Undefeated. Uh, we had a time. We had a time. We had a close call at the Orange Bowl. It was UConn, um, Oklahoma. This was 2011. And when you shoot that, you people see that shot with the national championship trophy. It sits there right on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And that's a shot that's a little bit risky because it's right next to the field. But there's a method to that. I mean, we work closely with ESPN production on that. You know, it doesn't just sit out there. It's out there kind of like a NASCAR pit crew change. It gets out there, shoot it, and you get it off the field. Well, this Orange Bowl, this crew, it's not the normal production crew we dealt with. And so – one of the keys to that shot is the play has to be moving away from you. Like mm-hmm. they have to be punt- somebody has, usually after you know somebody's punching the ball away or something like that. Well, that he had to set that trophy up on the sideline, and it just sat there for play after play, and they just they just couldn't get the shot. And then, sure enough, the play's coming to us, but it's still about forty yards down the field. Well, these guys, Oklahoma throws this bomb down the right sideline, and it is heading right for the trophy. <laughs> and usually we will go and, uh, you know, you'll grab it, you'll run or something. That's too late for that. So that Oklahoma guy is streaking down the sideline and the UConn safety is coming over. And meanwhile, on that play, the, you know, the, the referee, or the, I guess the linesman is running down that sideline as well. They come and they crisscross right in front of the, it's almost like one of those kind of blue angels, how they kind of crisscross, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right in front of the trophy. And it was the ref, the linesman stopped, literally stopped in front of the goal line because he would run into the trophy. And these players just fly across it. And he, he looked at me, the linesman looked at me and the other trophy manager like, it's like, what in the world are you doing? And we were just frozen. <laughs> and I think even, the, I think it was like Sean McDonough, whoever the comment, the, the, the TV commentary, the talent was, was making like, ah, it's pretty close to the field. I don't know if it should be out there. That was probably one of our closest <laughs> calls uh, during a game. So. Watching a slow train wreck. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it was like they're running at you, but it literally is like watching a slow train. Like, oh, my God, they're coming right for it. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Well, once again, we're joined by Ray Malouk, the co-founder of Breakaway Sports Marketing in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the trophy manager of the national championship, going to be a busy guy this week up in Indianapolis. Uh, Got to know, Ray, uh, you knew we were going to ask this kind of stuff. What are your favorite games? What are your favorite memories? What are the favorite stadiums that you guys have traveled to? Uh, you know, what, what makes college football unique is every single stadium is different with different traditions. I think... I think one of my favorites is actually, I know I live, live in Dallas, but uh, the, the Texas OU game is mm-hmm. really one of my favorites. You, got, you, you have a couple things working there. First, you have the, the stadium split right in two. Yep. I mean, literally, one half Texas, one half OU. It's, it's, um, 
it's during the Texas State Fair, so it's already a party out there outside the stadium. Uh, usually, it's great weather, and usually both those teams are top 10 teams. Yep. So it's just the atmosphere. The whole weekend here is electric. And when you go, you kind of walk through, and imagine pushing a trophy through the State Fair of Texas. You know, <laughs> it's, that's a whole other thing. But uh, once you get in the stadium, it's really, really special. I mean, even a game like you saw this year it was a crazy game. But I mean, I don't think at the time Texas was really high ranked. But it's it's always kind of a wild finish to. Um, that's one of my favorites. So, I always love going to Oregon too. Oregon's a really fun place to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a different atmosphere. Um, uh, what else? Virginia Tech is great. Virginia Tech, I think, has one of the when they play. Metallica's inner Sandman. Yeah, it's like you get goosebumps. It's 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 it's. I think the best intro in all of college football is when you're in that stadium at Virginia Tech and they play that. And I actually got to go to a game there when Miami went there back in the '99 season, and um, that was when the stadium was probably at least twenty thousand people less because they didn't have all the additions oh, yeah. on it and stuff like that. But they did do that intro and it was it was outstanding and really i mean you think about what michael vick and that actual team did for that community and that that university and that stadium oh yeah what happened yeah, after that I that's did. crazy yeah okay I, I actually go ahead well i was going to say ray uh you know on the flip side of that i don't know if you're willing to talk too much about it but what are some of your least favorite joints that you've had to go to uh well i you're right. I, I, you know, it's not, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, I actually like going to all of them. I mean, they're, it's not least favorite. I, I think uh, there are just some places that are, you know, a little bit more challenging to get to logistically. Right. Uh, but um, I, there's no place I really don't like. I mean, there are a couple of places I've been to where it's, it, it made me feel like yeah, this is this isn't what I expected it to be, or it's not as maybe as intimidating as I thought. But uh, but for the most part, I mean, again, college football is really different than any other sport in the fact that you go to a different campus. It's a completely different traditions and everything. So um, they're all pretty unique and special. So, but then again, there are some places on the schedule that you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, <laughs> we'll go there. <laughs> but um, and there's some fan bases too that are like you're like there are a couple that are just like. You know, a little, they're not Cincinnati fans. <laughs> they're a little bit more insufferable, insufferable fans. But you know, again, are you talking uh, about I, entitled I, Alabama fans, maybe, or BYU? Uh, what? No, I'm not talking about either. <laughs> those, actually, I'm not gonna. And I, BYU is. I like. We like going up there. Just oh. because it's beautiful up there. Or, or oh, is that bad to say? Like, you, if we go to Utah or BYU, it's just really nice up there. <laughs> well, it was nice having you on the show today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Good talking to you, Ray. Uh, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. I, guess just, I like going to Utah. There you go. They both equally anyway. suck, Ray. But right. oh, okay. BYU's the well, belly of the beast. <laughs> again, I'm, I'm, I'm the innocent David Jayhawk kid here. You know, I, what do I know about college football? So... Uh, until they move to the until they move to the Big Twelve and beat us by forty next year or whatever. <laughs> how about uh, so, how about some of your favorite coaches that you've worked with? Because I assume you know all those different personalities, and I know I've talked to Jared in the past about coaches who are just like flat. Get that thing the hell away from me! You know the superstitious stuff. I don't want that thing anywhere near me. Do you run into that quite often? 
not often. We re- the, the most notable case was Coach Snyder at K-State. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, we, we're not, we don't really interact with the players or coaches until you know, during the season, until the championship week. And then we'll interact with them at media day. And the coach, you know, the trophy will be all at the uh, press conferences throughout the week in Indy. Um, but during the season, we really don't. So, so when, but when Coach Snyder, we went to a K-State game, I guess maybe six or seven years ago when he was coaching there. And we, have, we don't really interact with him at all. We, we, we work with ESPN production. But we got an email. I got an email from them saying, we want that nowhere near our stadium. Coach Snyder specifically says he does not want that in our stadium. Wow. And I literally had to con- convince their athletic department. I'm like, we are, we'll be on the other, you know, we agreed. All right, we'll have the trophy on the other side, you know, other sideline. He won't, we make sure it won't be out because usually we'll have it out pregame when players are warming up and, you know, local media will be taking pictures or doing live shots next to it. I go, we, won't, we agree not to do that. We'll just have it out for that ESPN hit. Um, and they reluctantly agreed. They're like, just make sure. The guy was really nice, actually, that I spoke to at the athletic department. He's like, just make sure he doesn't see it. <laughs> Whatever you do. And we're like, all right, deal. Uh, but other than that, you know, I, you know, I like work. Coach Beamer was great at Virginia. Larry Coker was great at Miami. I don't know, Jared, if you ever dealt with Larry Coker. Maybe it's back near your days. but um, I did, yeah. He was there. Uh, here's the thing, though. Whenever we're dealing with a coach, that means they're in the national championship, right? Which means they're in a which means they're in a good mood, right? So when we run into if we if we were to interact with Coach Saban this week, um, he you know he, he's not going to like poo poo us away or anything like that. So um, uh, usually if you do, if you see us, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing as a coach. <laughs> yeah, especially this time of year. Um, so a couple of experiences I had. One was Michigan State hosted Michigan. They pull the upset, and this was when Nick Saban was at, uh, in um, East Lansing. And so the, the TV station that's doing his uh, coaches show the next morning asked if we could bring it on. I said, absolutely. See it. And he goes, all right, see you at 7 a.m. It's perfect. There at 645, sitting in the lobby, and Coach Saban walks in the door, and he just looks at me and goes, that is not going on my show. <laughs> oh really? And I'm like, <laughs> I woke up this early, and you're telling me that I can't have this on the show. But then the guy came out and goes, "Once he leaves, we'll get some bumpers of it. Don't worry about it." <laughs> well, now he's <laughs> won that thing. Now he's won that thing what six times. So uh, now, now it's maybe a little different than his days in Lance in East Lansing. And a, and another that that's weird. The story about Coach Snyder though, because um, K State was at Nebraska the year that I was doing it, and. We, I drove to Manhattan, or flew into Manhattan, excuse me, did the co- his weekly coaches show. It was a, like a luncheon, and there was hundreds of people there in the athletics department. And then and he had it there. He was fine with it there. And then, then I went up to Lincoln, and it was on the sideline there. So it wasn't actually in a stadium, but it was still present around you know, what he was doing. So that, that's kind of unique that he um, said no to it. Yeah, well, that was, that was in Nebraska. You had it up in Nebraska. Yeah, but but the week of, yeah. I went to Manhattan to do it at a oh at a oh yeah function there. So, and one other one was uh, game day, Florida State at Florida. Uh, um, Spurrier would not allow it in the stadium, so I I didn't. They wouldn't even give me a credential oh, to go to the game. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. So I, I oh, wow. set up for game day and headed out afterwards. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I guess maybe it's a little bit different now with the, with the CFP, but, um, but that's, you know, I've, luckily we have not run into any other issues with coaches. But again, we, we consciously try to stay away from, you know, them during the regular season. And we understand some coaches are superstitious, but um, yeah, every once in a while, I guess you run into some, and, you know what, it's not the end of the world. You can try to work around it, you know. Question for you. Um, I know I had a, a, a experience one time when because we used to ship at UPS, and um, it, I, we shipped it to Miami uh, for a game down there. It was Penn State at Miami, and it didn't show up at the hotel. So I'm on the phone with UPS trying to do the tracking number, all that kind of stuff with Bill, um, you know, trying to find this thing. Yeah. And um, they end up tracking it to this warehouse district where the UPS that location was. So um, this particular time, I did not have a rental car. So I had to jump in a cab, go there, and go present my ID, present the tracking number, and all this kind of stuff to actually get it um, released. And they said because it was tagged as a high-dollar item, it had all these uh, – had serious red tape taped all over the box <laughs> oh. because they said oh, really? that they, they figured out it was a high dollar item and they needed a signature and proof that it was going to be released to me. And of course, Miami being the cartel world, you know, capital <laughs> of the world, I'm sure they thought maybe something else was in it. So, so that was, and, and I had appearances to be at like that night and I was cutting some things short or, um, you know, tight. And it, it, it was scary though. I was worried. I was like, Am I, is this thing going to be found? I have no idea. So have you ever had any experiences where it didn't show up on time to, from point A to point B and that, that kind of stuff? Jared, that has happened almost weekly this year. <laughs> well, <laughs> because of, because again, we only have one trophy that travels around. So because of COVID and all, you know, we ship at FedEx and FedEx is great because we can track it online. We know exactly where it is, you know, at all times. But there are, I guess because of staffing or COVID or what have you, there's always delays. So um, there have been multiple times where we've had to drive. As a matter of fact, I think when it was in Cincinnati or, um, in November, we, had, we were going to Cincinnati game. We had our, our, one of our trophy managers had to drive to Memphis, like the headquarters, and like pick it up from the holding spot in Memphis. So we've we've had to do we've had to do a lot of, we had to jump through a lot of hoops this year to make sure that we met all the appearances. It's, it's really remarkable. And we've actually started shipping this same day. I didn't even know there was such a thing as FedEx same day, but sure enough, we, we shipped this thing probably about 10 times this year, same day FedEx. And even then, you know, it's, you know, we don't necessarily make every single appearance. Now, luckily we've made every game and every, you know, ESPN or, or a television appearance, but there's been one or two kind of private appearances or midweek appearances that unfortunately have been delayed just because the trophy didn't get there in time. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a pain. It's, it's, it's been a pain this year. So. <laughs> uh, once again, we're joined here by Ray Malou, co-founder of Breakaway Sports Marketing, the trophy manager, the national championship trophy manager. Um, Ray, what are some, like, really feel good moments for you, maybe an underdog winning the title and you're handing it over to a team that, you know, maybe wasn't supposed to be there. Do you have any of those kind of memories where it just felt really good? Well, again, it's always good to, if, if new teams win it, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, one of the, one of the best experiences that I had was um, 
in 2005 when Texas won the national championship. And they had not won it in a long, long time. Yep. And whenever a team wins, we will go to that market that right after the championship game and we'll do a couple public appearances. So in this case, and fans could come and get the picture taken with the trophy that was presented on the field, and then we will hand it over. We'll drive it over to the athletic department. Well, sure enough, we're um, we're going to Austin, and we've got an appearance at uh, Cabela's in Austin. And Texas had the trophy, and we right after the game, so we went to the athletic department and picked it up. And I remember Matt Brown was there, and he's like, "Maybe I'll stop by that Cabela's appearance and kind of see." see what's going on and say hi to the fans. And, nice. and we were expecting a big crowd. And I was like, coach, I mean, uh, me and Charlie Green, my, the, my my partner, were like, that's probably not a great idea because we're expecting a lot of people. And he's like, all right, no problem. Well, sure enough, we go to this event, and there are 10,000 fans wow. lining up all through Cabela's, all through the uh, parking lot to get their picture taken with the trophy. And they were out there. That was supposed to be a, I think, a three-hour appearance. We were probably there for four and a half, five hours. Um, but it was so much fun. I mean, it was it was overwhelming. But it's great. It was great to see a team that had not won it before or for a long time come out and get their picture taken with a trophy. And they were, every, everybody was so happy. So um, it's it's always events like that when you when you're able to take it to a fan base that had not has not won it before or won it in a long time, which is it's just it's just really, really exciting to have them kind of share in uh, the joy of um, kind of what we experienced at the championship game when their team won it. Right. I'm jealous. You got to go to do yours at a Cabela's. I, I did mine in a Sears store in Tallahassee <laughs> in the men's clothing section. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta fire your you gotta fire your agent, Jared. I don't know who's looking though. Lisco, <laughs> I'm coming after you. Right. I know, right? right. But, but yeah, but we actually we don't determine where we don't determine the retail stores. I mean, so it's really by the you know sponsors. So. Ray, I assume it's hard to top that Rose Bowl between Texas and USC. That was about as good as it gets in this game. But uh, what are some other games that were, you know, sometimes we see the blowouts and, you know, like you talk, we, we've seen Alabama, you know, how many times, nine times or something in the last dozen years or so. Uh, what are some of the greater games that you've witnessed firsthand? Well, one of the, probably the greatest game was one of the, fir- was the first one that Charlie and I did under Breakaway Sports. And that was the 2003 Fiesta Bowl. And that was the double overtime Ohio State-Miami game. Oh, yeah. And that was that was unbelievable. It was so loud. And it was just – so that was the first year that um, the Fiesta Bowl introduced their kind of uh, – the, the trophy they have now. It's really an elaborate trophy with gold and jewels. And it was put together by – a. Um, a jewelry company, a local jewelry company in Arizona called Molina. And they introduced their Fiesta Bowl trophy that year as well. So they were always at every event that we were at with the um, coaches trophy. And they would always have these huge, big security guards that were not from, they were like, they sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) They really had no interest in football, but they were, they were making sure nobody was touching their trophy. And sure enough, Near the end of the championship game, what they what they did back then is they put the trophies on the stage and then rolled everything out like with the with you know our trophy and then, and then in that case the Fiesta Bowl trophy right out. So there's no 
bringing it on the stage or anything like that. So Charlie is on the stage, my business partner with, with our trophy, and then the two big Molina guys are with the with the, uh, or I should say, one of the Molina guys was with the trophy on the stage, and the other was next to me. And then, as you know, there was a you know the end of the game. There was mm-hmm. we thought the game was over, but then they throw the flag. It was it was unbelievable. But all we know is, all we heard was that one of the Molina guys would go back and tell the other person. It's going to an extra period. Like, and, and then he would come back and go, oh, it's uh, one more one more down in Ohio wins. He just would give the most <laughs> rudimentary and not like, this is unbelievable. It's double overtime in the national championship. They called the pass. There was none of that. It was like, one more down in Ohio wins. And then the guy would be like, all right, what, what? Okay. And Charlie's just like laughing with his hands and says, like, oh, my God. They don't care at all about this game. <laughs> Meanwhile, it was probably the best game I've ever witnessed in person. But uh, is that, that the game that, that was probably a top? I was just going right? to ask: Is that the game that McGahey, uh blew his knee on the sideline? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, that game was over. That game ended technically. We were all we were near the forty yard line when that flag got. You know, I was <laughs> escorting at the time. It was the ADT security was the sponsor. I was usher, ushering that. CEO to the midfield, and then they were just waving us off like there's confetti everywhere, and like no, no, there's a flag on the play. <laughs> it was, um, it was pandemonium. That was that was by far the wildest game I think I've ever seen. So Ray, what uh, can you kind of talk us through, like what your week looks like? I, I assume you're going to be doing, you're going to be on the go in Indianapolis all week, and then if I if I'm understanding correctly, after that, whoever wins this game, you're going to be spending some time in Athens or Tuscaloosa after. Right. So this weekend is a typical during the regular season. A, ter- a typical week is, you know, we will on Sunday find out what game we're going to that following week, and um, what we'll do is we'll go in market on Thursday and do local TV appearances on Thursday, promoting our couple public events we do on Friday, and then on Saturday morning, if game day is there, the trip will be on game day, mm-hmm. and then before the game. We'll have a kind of a fan fan fest area. We'll have the trophy set up and then do the game. And then the next week, same, you know, same routine. And then in the middle of the week, we'll do one or two appearances on a Tuesday or Wednesday somewhere around the country. So it's, it's, it's pretty nonstop. When we're in Indianapolis starting tomorrow, it's, it's essentially from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's back to back events. Wow. It could be on set with ESPN or at, um, Extra Yard for Teachers event, which is the, um, initiative that college football playoff has which is fantastic or we'll be at a espn event or we'll be at media day or a press conference or what have you it's it's really back to back and then um and then what happens is after we after the trophy gets presented on the field we will actually take it back because really the team doesn't want to deal with having the logistics of getting a trophy back to campus so we will take it back and then we will go to let's just say let's just say Alabama wins. So we would then take it to Tuscaloosa and we have two public appearances on that Tuesday and Wednesday. And then we will essentially drive it over and hand it over to the school um, after that. And then, then we're done with, for the, with that trophy. So you've seen Nick Saban a hundred million times. Has, do you have any stories about Nick and has he been, has he been cool with you? Have you had a, have, does he actually chat with you or is it more, Hey, thanks for my trophy. See you later. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we don't interact with him a lot, it's, but any, he's always been very 
cordial with us, and so no complaints there. It is it is pretty cool though. I remember when um, when Ohio State won like I guess four or five years ago. Usually they want that trophy back quickly because they have recruits coming in. I mean, after you mm-hmm. win the national championship is when you want to strike with the iron's hot. So I remember we drove it from the public event in Columbus to Ohio State, and we actually brought it into uh, Urban Meyer's office and set it up. And sure enough, he had, like, you know, the recruits that were coming in. He had kind of everything set up with, with jerseys and what have you. And that was pretty unique. That was pretty cool to see um, in Boy, any recruit that would walk in, you know, to that room would be certainly impressed. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but every coach we've dealt with in that situation has been very, very cordial. We, you know, I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I would right. hope no, they're, they're in a not, good mood. They're not upset that we're they're not upset that we're handing in the national championship. So. The only the only thing is, it's not the coach, but usually again they want they want that trophy in their possession you know, for the recruits. So that's what you need to really coordinate. It's making sure that we can do a couple fan appearances, but still make them, still get it to them in time for them to show it to their recruits and, you know, do whatever they want with it. Well, you, so you don't fly home with the team like, like I did? No, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. We, um, you know, we did that a couple of years in the beginning, but um, it's just easier for us to, to book our own flight back mm-hmm. and or drive it drive it to the market if it's close enough it's just easier it's sometimes it's especially now with covid it's there's a lot of restrictions with it so we um but uh i think after the first three or four years of flying back with a team we just do it on our own now yeah. so. well the the year that i got to fly home to tallahassee with the uh, um, bobby bowden and stuff we did the morning press conference after the game uh, walking up the SID and Bobby and his wife Ann and I are walking up the steps and the SID goes, Coach, Peter isn't here. And Bobby turns around and goes, leave him. He's, yeah. talk, he's talking about Peter Warwick, who was also Warwick, the yeah. MVP, who was supposed to be at the press conference, and he was not because <laughs> he knew he was turning pro. So he goes, just leave him. Oh my God! I'm sure hilarious. he was being a good boy in New Orleans that yeah, night. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure of that. Turn of, turn of the millennial, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was no big deal in New Orleans. <laughs> well, I still see you, Jared. Whenever they show Bobby Bowden on that on that stage, you're you're front and center. So you were immortalized with that national championship. That's for sure. Well, so, just the last. like it's literally like Coach Bowden, you. Peter War. He's like, the three of you, you might as well be arm in arm up there. Honestly. Well, a, a co-worker actually sent me, he, he was watching the, the game on the ACC Network last week, and he sent me the video of the end of it. And, um, and th- it was, this was actually one that I hadn't seen in quite some time. And he, he goes, is this where he asked you to help him out? Because he takes the ball, the crystal ball off for the, the photo part of it, of course, and then he kind of yeah. tries to put it back on the tee and he wasn't getting it right, uh, so I had to kind of sneak around and put it back on there. And he goes, "Help me out here, son!" <laughs> In that brawl. <laughs> so yeah, back when that when the crystal ball was awarded on the stage, you the we had to be super close. You had to be super close to that because you know players are jumping around and that thing could fall off. But um, the one the college football playoff trophy is much more sturdy, which is which is better. <laughs> well, I, I got to keep my sanity. So. Um, just question for me is like, I mean, I got to meet a lot of really cool, famous people, whether it be the coaches themselves, the broadcasters, um, those kind of folks. Um, who's the most famous person maybe that you've met that wasn't a coach or a player or a broadcaster that 
really uh, is, you know, that you have a good memory about, or maybe you've had your kids with you and you got to introduce them to them? Uh, well, when it's, uh, it's been a couple, uh, Jimmy Kimmel is one, Robin Roberts, when, when, uh, the championship was here in Dallas, um, that was great. Um, actually the, the funny story I have is, is who I didn't meet because typically I'm, you know, my twin brother lives in LA. So whenever there's a commercial shoot to promotional shoots in LA, uh, I do them. And then Charlie, my business partner, is an East Coast guy. He's a Philly guy. So usually East Coast is handled by him. Well, this was maybe like six or seven years ago. There were there was an ABC promotional shoot for the championship game in New York. And then there was a Nokia, back when Nokia was a sponsor, was doing a commercial shoot where they wanted to use the trophy in L.A. And for some reason, this was literally the only time in the 20 years that Charlie and I have worked together where I could not be in the L.A. one. So I went to New York and he went to L.A., not knowing kind of what was involved with these commercial shoots. And I'm sitting there in a freezing soundstage in December in New York all day with with them shooting the trophy. And then three days later, Charlie is in L.A. and he comes back and says, "Um, this Nokia shoot was the trophy, Madonna, and Snoop Dogg. Oh, and so man. it was literally like, Charlie's like, yeah, I was really standing next to Madonna when she was looking at the trophy, wondering like, you know, what is this trophy? Tell me about it. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? I was in a, I should be there. I should be, I'm the LA guy, Charlie. I'm the one who should be hanging out I'm with the LA guy. Madonna. I'm the LA guy. Forget Madonna, I'd rather meet Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah. That's true, that's true. And actually, Charlie said he was great, but uh, we do run into a celebrities, um, and, you know, like Shaquille O'Neal, and L- and L- we had an LSU game. Um, oh, boy. Um, uh, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, I didn't realize this, but he, he went to Auburn. So when Auburn was playing here in Dallas uh, opening weekend three years ago, I was on the game day set, and he was there. And I just look over, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's Tim Cook. And he was just kind of hanging out. So uh, very – he was – Super accessible. I was able to kind of just talk to him a little bit, and I, and I didn't know he was from Auburn. He went to Auburn. Time out um, here. Time out. Auburn's an academic school. <laughs> <laughs> he's done very well. I'm not sorry. Saying, <laughs> I think he's done. He's done pretty well for himself. But let's let's put that down. One minus for Auburn. Okay. Um, but but um, but I had the trophy out, and he was, he asked me questions like, "Tell me about you know what you what you do and you know the tour and what have you." And I got a great photo with him, so uh, that was a that was probably one of my most memorable experiences in terms of with a celebrity or famous person. I actually remember you posting that that picture. You don't post a lot, but that was, was one that you did. So I, right, I don't. He is he was just super nice and accessible and friendly and just eager to you know learn about the trophy and the trophy program. So. Uh, it was just pretty refreshing, to be honest with you. It's funny because whenever we run into somebody like maybe famous, and the, if the trophy is in its case, it's literally like again a NASCAR. Like, get it out quickly. <laughs> get a pic- let's get a picture with this guy next to the trophy. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he was great. Oh, kind of a similar story like that uh, when I went to Nebraska, and I don't know how many times you have. You probably haven't been there recently, anyway. But um, the year I went. Uh, Chris Anderson, the SID, she always has a dinner at some famous prime rib place in Lincoln on Friday night with the TV folks, and she invited me to go. And so it was uh, 
uh, Bob Greasy and uh, Lynn Swan. So we're sitting yeah. in this private room at this prime rib place, and Lynn Swan, all he wanted to talk about was the Waterford Crystal Plant um, in Ireland because oh, he, really? he had gone there and visited it, and that's all he wanted to talk about. And I was like, can we get through this? I want to talk about your career. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. You know, it, but it was really cool being able to, to sit there and listen to his experiences about that, and he was, like you said, engaged with the trophy itself and so forth. Yeah, that was that was a that was a different time because back then uh, the sideline reporter would would talk about the trophy standing next to it, right? So you would always really you'd be interacting with him a lot during the season whenever you'd inter- you know he'd keep the same game with you. Now uh, the sideline reporter doesn't do that kind of stand next to the trophy and talk about it. You know they just show it and then the people the talent in the booth talk about it. So. Um, yeah, back then you were able to kind of work with Lynn Swan quite a bit or um, whoever the other sideline guys were at the time. So. That's awesome. All right, Ray, let's uh, let's end on this one. Uh, and I don't know if I'm going to get an answer out of you, but who wins in Indy? Oh, boy. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, do you, you know a better question, do you, you want to hang out in Tuscaloosa again or do you want to go to Athens? <laughs> Well, based based on based on this conversation we have, I don't think it takes uh, you know you know a rocket scientist to figure out who you know in terms of the trophy would be better to win. But uh, it, of course it would, and of course it would be for the trophy. You know, Georgia hasn't won it since 1982, so you would have really big crowds if if they won. And you would have to think that you would have to think they've made adjustments from when they played a couple weeks or you know in the yeah. SEC championship game. Um, and they certainly looked great against Michigan, who's, uh, who's really good. So I think it'll be pretty close. Um, but I, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's like, it's almost a toss up, I think, the, with the odds makers. So, but, if, you know, if whoever wins, you know, it's, it's we're going to have successful events. Um, but you know, Alabama's won it numerous times, so the crowds wouldn't necessarily be as big in Alabama versus uh, Georgia. Well, that's the beauty of being the national championship trophy manager. I would assume is that uh, you're always on the winning side, so that's uh, that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. That's great. <laughs> well, Ray, hey man, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, I know you got a really busy week ahead, so thank you for taking some time out of your schedule. Have fun in Indianapolis. Bring a coat. And uh, hope you uh, hope you have a good week in Athens next week. Hey, I enjoy talking <laughs> to you guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Ray. Ray. Tell Charlie hello. All right, Jared. Uh, have All a good one, care, Jared. You too. Okay, you too. Bye bye. All right, that was Ray Maluk, co-founder of Breakaway Sports Marketing in the Dallas Fort Worth area, the National Championship Trophy Manager. That sounds like that would have been a really fun job, Jared. You know what? I had a blast doing it. I did it for a season and a half. Um, the 99 season, uh, the year Florida State beat Virginia Tech when uh, Michael Vick was a freshman at VaTech, And then um, part of the next season I started off, and then that's when I chose to come back home, per se, to Wyoming and work in the athletics department there. Where was, uh, where was maybe your more memorable games that you went to? You know, the, I'll never forget the first one I went to was Arizona at Penn State. Wow. It was like the kickoff classic. I don't know if that's exactly what it was called, but seeing Penn State Stadium, because I, you know, biggest stadium I had ever been to it, up to that point, yeah. I believe was probably BYU. Wow. When I traveled around, you know, it's about Wyoming. double BYU. Yeah. And um, so we're, we're at the game day set outside and, uh, you know, there's these limos are pulling up. I'm like, who in the heck are these people type of a deal? 
And um, there's uh, um, who's the Nike founder? Sorry. Oh, Phil Knight. Phil Knight. He he hops out of this uh, uh, limo. I was like, "Is that Phil Knight?" And they were like, uh, "Yeah." I'm like, "Oh, wow! This I'm going to see some big time people." You know, the big boys now. And, but just leading up to that game, um, I was I went to Pittsburgh first, stayed a couple days there, did some TV appearances there with it. Got to meet the famous Bino Cook. Oh, there you go. I had such a blast <laughs> doing a show with him on Fox Sports. Really? And this is no kidding. They called me and said, "Hey, do you want?" the limo to pick you up i said no i'm good this thing will never fit in the trunk of a limo type of video <laughs> i'll drive down there myself but i look out the window bino cook gets out of a limo and he has pajama bottoms on and slippers awesome and a, and a sport coat awesome <laughs> that's a guy who's comfortable with himself yeah it was so cool but you know and then a couple of weeks later i got to go to notre dame at michigan got to go to the big house which is actually bigger than penn state yep. and i'm kind of a closet michigan fan to be honest with you my mom's uh, side of the family is all from michigan so i've always rooted for the for the wolverines and got to meet bo bo schembechler mm-hmm. and um got to do those kind of things there and that's uh, where i first met dick vitale Actually, his daughter went to Notre Dame, and he, he was sitting in the first row behind the Notre Dame bench, and I went to, got to meet him and stuff like that. Nice. And actually got to meet a guy that I went to high school with. He's the, he's still the trainer for Notre Dame football. Wow. And he's um, actually five years older than me, than me, so I didn't actually go to high school with him, but I knew he and the family from a small town mm-hmm. um, from Belfouche, South Dakota. It's kind of weird that... You know, I'm standing on the sideline with the national championship trophy, and he's the head trainer for Notre Dame football. You guys are both in the big house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, but, you know, got to go to Tallahassee a couple times. Um, Got to – one of the most unique trips was, like Ray said, we don't really know where we're going, or we knew where we were going at the time um, until that Sunday or Monday when game day would say, hey, we are going to go here. Um, You have, like, three appearances left on us, you know, with us. Do you want to go to this game? Um, it was Miami at Washington, and um, it was and it was, I, I remember I'm based out of Chicago. I'm looking at plane airfare at that time. It was like twenty two hundred dollars. Jesus, and I'm like really naive, you know, country boy saying, uh, "Can we go spend twenty two hundred dollars on a ticket at the last minute?" And the VP goes, "Hell yes!" And by the way, if I see another McDonald's. Uh, um, the receipt on your expense report, you're fired. <laughs> he goes, we have a budget. We need to use it or we don't get it. <laughs> How come our boss never says that to me? I turn in all kinds of McDonald's receipts, damn it. Uh, yeah, it's a little <laughs> different now, Blair. A little okay. different. And uh, really, you know, one of the cool things back then, too, we did the basketball trophies for both men and women. So got to go to a lot of regionals. Uh, we didn't do a lot of stuff during the actual school the regular season but got to go to the regionals the sweet 16s and then of course the final fours stuff so got to do a lot of cool things there but one of the uh, more unique places um got to go i would i would say is probably um virginia tech yeah just because it is a true small college town and you're driving through virginia if you've never been there before you have no idea which northwest trees 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 trees. everywhere and you drive into um into Blacksburg. Blacksburg, and it is just a true college town, and yeah. it was a really cool experience. Well, I went to the Wyoming game in Charlottesville, so between the trees and whiskey, couldn't really <laughs> tell where I was going either. Yep. I know we tailgated in a parking garage. That was not very fun. but uh, <laughs> And I will tell you, when I, once I left midseason, I came to Wyoming to a, 
to go to work, they actually called me, the company I worked for and Sears was still the sponsor at the time. They asked me if I wanted to go to the Rose Bowl nice. and be around for the national championship. That was Nebraska, Miami. And I said, uh, yes, of course, <laughs> uh-huh. all expense paid. Dang. Got to stay in Beverly Hills for a couple nights, um, transportation to and from, great tickets, got to go to the functions before and even the morning after. I mean, I, I thought that was really cool of them to, to have them have them invite me to do that. Very. Man, that's a game I really want to go to. That's what I, like, when I'm watching bowl season, I'm just sitting there thinking, man, one day, need to get to the Rose Bowl for sure. And obviously, covering the Wyoming Cowboys, uh, a Rose Bowl is probably... Not ever going to happen, unfortunately. Um, it's, it's a cool experience out there. I got to go to a regular season game and then a, uh, and then the, the bowl game. Yeah, itself, so. man. The, the atmosphere of that place looks unbelievable. And, and the, just the surroundings and, of course, the sunset's always perfect during that game. And it's just, It was weird this year because both teams were red, of course. But, man, to see that thing split down the middle is really cool, too. I was listening to the radio broadcast because I was driving when it started. And they said that it was probably 70%, though, um, Utah fans. I'd imagine. Because first time ever, yeah. Ohio State's been there, done that, and yeah. they're not you know, they're not in the national championship game or the, or the semifinals, so they're kind of mad themselves. So yeah. their fans weren't going to. And I think they had 24 there. guys out of that game yeah. for various reasons. So And still won and broke records. Yep. That was sweet. <laughs> still never gets old watching Utah <laughs> lose, that's for sure. So, yeah, I want to thank uh, Ray Malouk for coming on. Uh, he's going to be a busy guy this week, but how fun, man. That would be so much fun to be hanging out with those guys and doing all these things. I know it's a lot of work, and it will be work, but uh, it would be a blast, man. And when I first came back to Wyoming, he and Charlie both asked me on several occasions, hey, could you come work X game this week? And I said, man, if it was an off week for Wyoming, I certainly would. Or if I wasn't traveling or whatever, if, if they were on the road and I wasn't traveling, I would be there in a heartbeat. Oh. It just never worked out. Yeah. Damn. Well, I get... Uh, oh, I was just going to say, a couple years ago when Wyoming was at Texas State, mm-hmm. game day, LSU, Texas, yep. game day was in Austin, and um, I took one of the boys with me, Logan, and we went to the game day set and hung out that morning before I, the Texas State game. I think quite a few Wyoming fans made that trip over there. Yeah, I saw quite a few people, but Ray got us backstage, awesome. got us up on stage, got to say hi to Herb Street and those guys, because it had been you know, 20 years since I had seen those guys. Wow. And, and everything. And funny thing is, the band Midland was playing a concert for the pep rally after game day for the nice. fans. So they're all hanging out backstage, too. And uh, Logan, uh, my stepson, looks at me and goes, is that the lead singer in middle? And I said, yeah. And I said, why don't you go over and say hi to him? He goes, no, no, I can't do that. <laughs> and every time we hear that, uh, one of their songs come on or he sees them, and he goes, remember that time when we were in Austin and I didn't go say hi to him? I said, oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yep, I remember. <laughs> Your fault, not mine. <laughs> we actually thought about driving over for the game day thing in Austin, but uh, had a little too much fun the night before in San Marcos, so <laughs> driving to Austin was not an option that morning. And it was, man, it was hot in San Marcos, too. Uh, it was miserable yeah. hot that day. Yeah, you're talking 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's 90 degrees and 90% humidity yeah. already. Yeah, that was brutal. Well, yep, thanks for Ray to come on. Thanks for hooking that up, Jared. That was cool to, to chat with him. Uh, I guess let's end on this note. Who you got winning uh, Monday night in Indianapolis? Hart would love to see Georgia win just because it's somebody, somebody new. I, eight, 1982, wow. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just, I'm over Alabama. Just too many. 
God, they're good. They are good. They are loaded. <laughs> and this isn't even one of their better teams. They said that this might be Nick Saban's best coaching job. Yeah. Weird how somebody can adapt and, and roll with the punches. Uh, let's <laughs> say no comment on that one for right now. Uh, all right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, it's good to get back to these podcasts. It's been a minute. We were doing, the, uh, of course, the kickoff show during the season and, and uh, doing the uh, Facebook Live, of course, from Dillinger's on Monday nights. So it's good to get back to the Roaring Repeater here and uh, hope everybody had a good holiday. Let's put this out there maybe on social media, but let's talk about it now. Um, let's uh, hear from the fans on maybe who they want to hear from yeah. on some podcasts coming up. Definitely. Maybe you know, send us, uh, send us some um, ideas on who you would like to give as special guests. And don't get crazy now. We're not going to get everybody, of course. Yeah, but I'll try and reach out to any and everybody. Yeah. And uh, Cody's got a few up his sleeve, too, that um, mm-hmm. I think some of our heavy metal fans might even like, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. hurricane kind of derailed the uh, last time I was supposed to talk to that gentleman. But, uh, yeah, I mean, especially in the off season. I mean, right now is obviously weird with all the basketball cancellations. It feels like we're in the off season almost, you know, and especially after <laughs> all the uh, drama following the Cowboy football team into the off season. But, um, yeah, I mean – Hopefully we're going to get back to basketball. Hopefully it's going to get back to normal here uh, soon. But um, definitely the off season need a lot of a lot of different. And we can we don't have to talk about Wyoming. We don't have to. We can talk about whatever the hell we want. Just like today. Yeah, I mean literally we can talk whatever we want. So any ideas? Feel free to send them our way. Uh, definitely we'll try. Um, <laughs> never hurts to try. Just trying one time got Earl Campbell and we talked to him on the phone for about an hour and uh, then he sent me boxes and boxes of sausages. So that was really sweet. Let's get him back on. Yeah, <laughs> Burgle Campbell says. All right, guys, have a good week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>